What's up, everybody? Welcome in to episode 19 of the How You Doing Pod. Holy moly, we're almost at 20. That's insane. We're just in silly, goofy moods this morning, apparently. Um, mm. X, how are you doing, sister? Good. I. It's so funny that... Okay, 20 is like, oh, okay, that's not that many episodes, but that's 20 weeks in a row that we have done this, and we haven't missed a week, and if we pre-recorded or something we did two in a week so that right. is crazy 20 that's weeks five of months. this <gasps> that's crazy it's gonna be so weird when we get around to a year and see like what's changed what's different i was even thinking like the way we've talked about this but the way that we format like what the episode's called and all of those things like you see with your favorite podcast those things evolve and it's gonna be so weird to look back in like a couple years and say oh my gosh i can't believe that we were like, I don't know, we used those microphones or we did this or we did that. And we haven't even had our first guest yet, which honestly, we just this dynamic of us chatting every time. I know we mention it, but we sit on like this FaceTime afterwards for 20, 30, 50 minutes and talk. And we're like, oh, my gosh, why do we even end the podcast? We could just keep it playing every like, single time. This is a whole nother episode right here. <laughs> I feel like every week I've said, I'm good. I'm good. And I always yeah. talk about, like, the positive things. I've actually um, – I shared recently that I've really been struggling with my health anxiety again, which I'm in a good place. But I feel like I wasn't being honest, I guess, about kind of where I was at with a lot of – I don't know, with everyone around me because I I don't know. Sometimes it feels so embarrassing to talk about out loud. And um, I shared that I've had this thought like literally since I think maybe we got engaged that like I was going to die before our wedding. And I it's just this all-consuming thought that even when I'm talking about the plans for it, I like when I'm by myself then think – oh my gosh, well, how's everyone going to deal with all of this when I'm not here? I don't want it to be it to be a burden on anyone or I don't, it's just such a weird thing that for so long, I really thought like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my head? What's wrong with, why am I not grateful enough? I don't know. And it, it just makes you question things, which makes you spiral, which makes you think about it more. And so, and it's made me put off a ton of planning stuff. And now it's like, okay, it's crunch time. And more likely than not, this is, I'm not laughing, but I'm laughing. You are going to make it. Like, it's coming up, so you're probably going to make gonna it to it. You're going to be there, baby. You, you got to plan it. So, anyways, I really felt like the other day that I wanted to share just the severity of where I was at with it, and I have never in my life received so many people that I know, like, that I've known from high school or elementary school or family members saying, oh, my God, I've had this same, like, OCD fear these people who I look up to and I'm like, you're the healthiest person I know, or you're like, you're the strongest person I know. I can't believe that other people have these thoughts. And so many previous brides have said that they've dealt with like it peaking right before um, their wedding. And I think for me, maybe it has to do with probably my greatest fear in life is like losing Matt is not having each other is not getting to be married is him, him finding someone else or, you know, and I don't know. I just, I've been having a little bit of a hard time with it, but yeah. ever since I've been honest, like Matt and I have had really long talks about it and so I've gotten so much good advice from um, so many people. So anyways, it's something that I've been struggling with on and off, but I feel like it's come to a point to where I can recognize it and I can try to like move forward, but then be honest with everyone around me a little bit and say like, okay, that I I cannot do this today. Like this is kind of controlling everything that I'm doing or this is where I'm at mentally and I don't feel like I can meet you here or yeah. X, Y, and Z. So anyways, just wanted to be honest about that because it is something that's been kind of controlling my mind and my thoughts and even my planning of the wedding. So I always say that I'm good when you ask. <laughs> I am good. I'm just... I think that's human yeah. nature to say good, but mm -hmm. obviously we go deeper here and with people that you feel comfortable with opening up. Yeah. And I think it is so important. I'm really proud of you for talking about it because I know in your head, obviously you've convinced mm. yourself of this stuff and you believe it and it's scary. But oh when you God. say it out loud, sometimes like you were saying, you just feel, I don't know, embarrassed or totally. gu guilty or ungrateful mm -hmm. when that's yes. not how you're trying to come across. You're just having these thoughts, no matter how irrational they seem when you say them out loud. You right. can't help that you're feeling that way. And I think totally. that's probably has caused a lot of avoidance because you know mm -hmm. that it stems from the planning and 
other things, of course, totally. but you're like, oh, I don't want to do that because it might bring out that feeling again. Totally. And I think that a really hard part of it that makes me spiral a little bit more is my mom, my family, Matt, Matt's family, we all believe so much that like what you focus on expands and like the power of your, what you think. And then I start to think, okay, none of that was real, but I focused on it so much that I'm causing myself to become sick, to die, to whatever, like, and then it just doesn't stop because then I'm like, oh, well, I should have gone to the doctor about this two years ago and I didn't. So now I could have been okay and now I'm not. And it just doesn't stop, which it's, again, it's been so helpful when people that I know and friends have reached out and told me whatever their like hyperfixation has been. And it almost makes me realize like, oh my gosh, that's something that is not wrong with them at all. But like, they truly believe that. And I, I don't ever, when they tell me that, I don't ever think like, oh gosh, that's kind of embarrassing. Like, that's kind of crazy because right. I think all the people around you know that you're not doing it for like attention or like whatever your negative thought about what that could be is there. But also I think the the selfish feeling of it is like, why am I so hyper fixated on myself? Like, why can I not focus on other people or what's going on around me or something. And also there's real people that I know around me that have been affected by terminal illness too. So that also feels a little selfish, but it's just, yeah, it's been really nice to talk to people, get advice. I don't know, be reassured by people like you're not yeah. crazy and nobody's looking at you as crazy. And no matter if you plan your wedding in a month or two weeks or whatever, like we're going to show up and it's, it's all going to work out and we're going to be fine. And yeah, it's, it's been like a growing thing for sure. I, a lot of people reached out, um, some gals that we went to high school with even and said that they like really struggled with it after pregnancy as well. And that it's almost good to know and prepare for those things too. And think like, okay, well, big life events, there's a reason why we're, if we deal with like anxious thoughts that they can control big things in our life happening and we don't have to like feel shame in that. And it's, I just want to say, I think the greatest part of struggling with anxiety or with anything like this is seeing how your partner steps up. And I truly believe that Matt Hazen is the most patient person on the planet. And I constantly am like, do you think I'm crazy? Do you like, do you think that I'm just insane? Like what's wrong with me? And every time he'll like, like look yeah. me dead in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I did, I, you're, I, but I you love you. he'll seriously just like reassure me and be like, there is nothing wrong with you. Like we are getting married. Nothing is going to stop us. Like we're going to have a long, healthy life. You're going to have kids. We're going to have grandkids. And it just, it takes such a strong person. Even when we've been talking about how, when the boys aren't okay and we're like panicky, I feel such a guilt sometimes in that if this was happening to Matt, I'm like, how would I deal with that? I don't know. I'm sure I would find a way to step up, but mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, I don't think I would be able to deal with it. Like just the patience and the grace is like, I think it's teaching us so much before marriage of like what marriage will look like and how we'll show up for each other. I saw this podcast yesterday with this gal who um, says that her and her husband, she said like 50-50 marriage is complete bullshit. You show up when the other person cannot. It's not always 50-50. And she said when her husband comes home at night, she says, hi, honey, like I'm at a 25 right now. I don't really have much to give. And he'll be like, okay, I'll, oh my God, Brady, I can't do the math. 75. So <laughs> I'm literally in my head while I'm talking. I'm like, figure it out, figure it out. What the <laughs> what? <laughs> 75 yes you got it yeah he's or she's like uh i'll cut like i'll cover you i got the 75 and she said if like her mom's been sick recently and so she'll be like honey i'm at a 10 and he'll say i'm riding a solid 25 like i don't i can't cover you i'm not all there and if they can't like reach 100 together they sit down and like make a plan of action of how they're going to be like intentional and patient and kind with each other while they're not able to and I love listening to podcasts like that. They just like amp me up and I'm like, I'm going to be such a better person under this podcast. But anyways, so yes, it feels like a lot of I people I like are... that a lot though. I feel like yeah. that's, there's never going to be that perfect balance. I feel like you're no. always going to be going through something different. Life's always going to be 
wavy and you kind of just, yeah, you have to meet each other where you're at. And I think this is probably not that you want to feel this way. You wouldn't Mm. choose to feel this way before your wedding. It's the happiest thing that's happened to you in your life thus far. And you know that, like, I think you just, you just can't control these feelings, but I think it's so important that you have Matt and that now that you have opened up, I'm sure it's just like lifted a little bit of weight off your chest. I'm not saying the feelings have gone away or the thoughts have gone away, but you don't feel like you're secretly keeping how you are actually dealing with all of this inside. And I'm, that's honestly not easy to do. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also going just with my mom, um, wedding dress shopping tomorrow, which I've put off, but yeah, I so I really wanted to do like my grandma's and my maids of honor and so many of the places now they only have you can only bring four people total and I'm like if I can only do like four I'm like I might as well just go like just my mom and then just make it a surprise for everyone else. That's going to be and- so special. It's also not my, like, mom's thing. Like, she's not a girly girl. She's not. And she is so excited. And it just made me so excited. Tell me about, like, wedding dress shopping and how the experience was for you, who all you took, and, what like, what you remember. I loved wedding dress shopping. I was nervous, though, going in because I was not the bride that had an idea of what I wanted. I was like, we're going to be here for six years. Buckle up, ladies. Like, I have no idea. I also tend to be a little bit indecisive. But also, I will say, when I find something I love, I don't look back. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yep, I want that. Mm -hmm. We're moving forward. But I think it's amazing you're just taking your mom. I think that'll be perfect because sometimes too many opinions can get in your head and then you may leave. This is what I've heard. I did not have this experience, but I've heard some people are like, I don't even know if I left with what I loved or with what everybody else thought looked good on me. So I feel like that kind of limits the, I guess, opinions and you'll go with your gut if you find it tomorrow or not. But um, I did... It is really special looking at the photos because my Grammy Betty was still alive. So I had both my grandmas there, my mom, my three sisters, and who were all my maid of honors, maids and matrons of honors, whatever. Yeah, whatever you call it. Who cares? (laughs) Um, My cousin Haley and our friend KP. And so I don't know how many that is, but it was honestly perfect. They had these little signs that were like, that's the one. I don't know, all these cute signs. But I came out in the first one and everyone's like, that's the one. I'm like, okay, we still like, we got to be a little bit more critical here. So I, I'm like, I don't think this is the one. But we did love the first couple. And then the fifth dress I tried on which five has been my number forever. It is my favorite number was the dress that I wore at my wedding. And once I tried that on, I was dancing, feeling myself. Everybody was like, there's no other dress for you. So that was so easy because we had two other places lined up. This was the first place, fifth dress. So right. we just went and drank champagne the rest of the day. It was freaking wonderful because oh my gosh. I didn't want to spend all day doing it. So I was like, this is like the best of both worlds. But I've also, I know plenty of people that had to go multiple days and you just come back. A lot of times though, people come back to the first one that they loved. So I'm glad that I was just sold and didn't want to look anymore. I was like, no, nothing will top this dress and the way it makes me feel. So I had a pretty easy experience, honestly. That's amazing. I texted my one of my best friends, Kenzie, this morning because she managed a... Um, wedding dress shop in Washington and I was like what's your advice like tell me everything and she gave such good advice and I think the thing that stood out to me more than anything is she said doing your hair and makeup similar to what you're thinking for the wedding otherwise make sure that you have inspo photos of like what your hair and your makeup is going to look like Um, try to keep an open mind and don't try on things that you can't see yourself wearing on your wedding day because it'll just confuse you Um, Think about what you want to see in photos hanging in your living room for the rest of your life when you try on the one that you know. Really, I'm like, okay, I want something 
super classic and every i've heard mixed things like people saying you'll have an idea and you'll go with something completely different or i've heard people yes. be like i know what I, or I knew what i wanted and literally that's what i went in and i got so okay. i think it's so different to every person even like who you bring because i think it came down to for me i'm such a people pleaser and that's such a i am so indecisive as well so i think that was my decision was my mom will of course just support whatever i decide to do but I feel like I would end up taking everyone else's like opinions and advice and be like, oh, you're right. Maybe the ruffles do look good or maybe that maybe I should wear sleeves or, you know, whatever it is. And then just give myself more things to analyze and to like decide where I think I already know what I want. I asked Matt what he thought. And I think this would be fun for like a, a thing to document, taking a video of him saying like what he thinks it's going to be because what he explained was verbatim that he explained a couple different styles that he could see me wearing verbatim the dresses I have like screenshotted this is the dress and I've never showed them to him ever purposely I purposely showed him other stuff and he's like explaining whether it has sleeves whether it's strapless whether it has lace whether it's satin whether it's whatever and I'm like how do you know I think think Matt knows more about dresses than I do (laughs) it's also he's i mean he manages my pinterest too exactly that that may have to do with it oh that would be really fun you need to see and then you'll find out if you do go in with what you were thinking or if you do a 180 i feel like a lot of people do i went in so open-minded had no idea but when you put on the one i guess it's like when you know you know kind of deal but Ah, what is so fun i want to put on my wedding dress i'm like what can i wear it to literally nothing i know what did you think you didn't do a dress change right for the reception i didn't know okay i'm that's the thing that i'm kind of debating because a part of me is like this dress is so damn expensive you i want to only wear it for a couple hours and then you want me to change but i'm also somebody who's like i want this look i want this look i want this but i think you can find different ways to incorporate those in like your bachelorette in your bridal shower in totally like whatever did you even think about changing into something else or were you like this is my dress i'm wearing it the whole time once i found this dress no also i had the furry shawl i got married in january so i had a couple different things with the dress that could change up the look a little bit it also like the train bustled up whatever you want oh yeah but yeah i don't i think it's i think it was called like a bus maybe bustle, right i thought it was called like a bustle i think it's bustle i have no idea anyway it, it went up we're saying it so that i could dance because i knew i would want to be able to dance and it was very form-fitting and so mm-hmm. i made sure at every the fitting people probably thought i was crazy because every fitting i would like do i was like grooving because i was like i just gotta make sure i don't want this to like rip when i'm dropping it low and they're like no you're gonna be just fine. oh my <laughs> god but so it had a couple different things like that but i know i've seen people that do the two different looks for and i think that's so fun but so fun. i didn't really think about it i guess for my uh specific wedding do you is there any details that you were so set on like you knew before you got engaged like I know I want it to be in January or I know I want it to be indoor or any things that were like your non-negotiables I don't think necessarily right at the start but once I started planning I knew that I wanted it to to be in winter Mm -hmm. and I was hoping for it to snow just because of like we got married at this big white mansion looking house and I was like oh that'll be so beautiful and snow in Colorado in January should happen could happen but it didn't Mm -hmm. but um no and I think I wanted classic but I don't think I knew exactly but as I started going and my mom was I trust her with my life and she's so trendy and so um classy I guess with all decor and everything so she helped me a lot I knew there were some things that I didn't necessarily care about. I'm not like a huge flowers person. I wanted to find something that was like subtle, more greenery, I guess, and white, which we found. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, really, once I brainstormed, I feel like I tried to fit a lot of it to me. Once I found my dress, though, I feel like all my decor kind of matched my dress. So That's that was fun. amazing. That, it's funny because when I think back on 
all the weddings that I've been a part of, I can't remember the florals at any wedding. Any, no matter if they were fifty thousand dollars of florals or not. And right. if it's your like, if florals are your non-negotiable, then that's like do it. That's spend your money where you want it to. Right. But it is such a weird concept that florals are so expensive now, and it's like for what? <laughs> Literally, like you. I that is the one thing I don't remember. I can every one of my that I've been a bridesmaid of every one of my friend's wedding dresses, I could literally close my eyes and picture their like their wedding dress, what the venue looked like, who the photographer was, what the pictures look like afterwards, their first dance song, like all of those things. But I don't know why florals just don't stick with me, me at neither, all ever. And so maybe that's what I knew. I was like, I want them, of course, in mm-hmm. delicately placed, but right. I, they're not the most important for me. So I feel like I was able to. Spend right. that, spend money, even though flowers are expensive. That was a shock to me. I was like, holy monkeys, this is, this is wild. But you need a little something, depending on where, it all depends on where you're getting freaking married. Totally. But totally. I feel like you can, you don't, not every bridesmaids, if you're going to have a lot, like needs a bouquet. Because I don't right. think they care. And if your dress is cute enough, I feel like no one really cares if they have flowers. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Is there anything non-traditionally that you did, like, that you, that stood out that you were like, I'm so glad I did this. Like, I'm so glad I incorporated this because I really wanted to. I feel like even the jerseys, I know we talked about this, but the jerseys was such a, like, personal thing to you. And I remember getting mine and being like, what does the number stand for? Like, at first, like, not knowing. And then once I figured it out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. Yes, the year we became friends um, or we met or whatever it may be. That was so much fun. Just even looking back and be like, oh my gosh. We've been friends since 05 or 09 or whatever it may be. That was born. Right. My sisters obviously said 94 because that's when I was born. But, well, not Mimos. Mimos was 99. Oh, yeah. She's our I baby. Yeah. But, no, I loved the jerseys. Um, I loved not doing a first look. That mm. first moment down the aisle was so oh. wonderful. But I think first looks can be amazing, too. So I feel like there's totally. no right way to do it. But I personally liked not doing it um I'm trying to think if there was anything else specific I had my grandpas both involved and um say messages at during the ceremony and also included both of our moms so I wanted everyone to feel like they were a part of it and had Mm -hmm. especially like our parents um and grandparents have a special part in the wedding. So I feel like right. I'm really glad that I did that. I loved our ceremony and we wrote our own vows and made them very us. And I was laughing, crying the entire time. <laughs> and I, I like could not keep it together. I did not expect to be that emotional. Um, but I was. And so I loved writing our own vows, even though I know that can be really nerve wracking. I think it's so fun and lets you get to know the couple a lot more. Also, the person who married us, Linda, was freaking hilarious and she took it so seriously, like a full time job. We had to answer all these questions. She just wanted to have it down to a T. And my biggest thing when I've gone to some weddings is that I feel like you didn't really know, they didn't really know the couple. It just felt very like by the book kind of thing. And I don't like that. I'm like, I want everybody here I want this to feel like us because these are all our people right so it shouldn't just be a preacher up here reading a scripture personally I did not want that so I was like I want this to feel very us jokes lighthearted, funny sweet all the different things and she nailed it so that was that was good I would say try to have someone marry you that at least knows you a little bit as a couple I think that's important honestly oh I'm getting so emotional thinking about that that is all of this like when you're talking I'm like oh my gosh like I've said this a million times but your wedding day was one of the best days of my life and it will always be one of the best days of my life and that has always been what my goal is for every for my wedding is that everyone feels like, oh my God, that day was so fun. It was so sweet. I learned so much about them. I, you know, just that time that we get to spend together being so intentional and emotional and just a reflection of us and the people closest around us. And okay, last question before we move on to something else, because I've asked you so many wedding questions already. No, I love it. I'm like, take it back. Yes. Did just your dad walk you down the aisle or did your mom as well? 
My dad did. Um, okay. Chase walked down my mom, which I oh, loved. Yeah. That's so sweet because so many people I've seen them have both their mom and their dad walk them, um, which is so sweet. But a part of me, like, I've always pictured my mom, like, watching us walk up. And I think that that's also a special moment for my mom that she's always wanted. So there's so many fun things that you can do. Like, I really want to do a first look with my brothers because they're just, like, since the minute I was born have been obsessed with me as, like, their their little baby sister Mm -hmm. because of our age difference and stuff. And they're so protective. And they're the people that I call when I'm scared and whatever. And... I just, I know that they'll both cry and that I want that, you know, special moment with them. I was watching a TikTok of a girl um, talking about practicing her maid of honor speech for her younger or her older sister. I guess I couldn't tell which one was which from the photos, but it, she started showing pictures from the day that her sister was born up until like when they were getting married and it made me so emotional because I'm like I've never had a sister that must be the coolest thing ever I'm so thankful that I have brothers like that relationship is unlike anything else but I was literally thinking about when you were just talking about how they were your three maids of honor watching all three of them walk together down the aisle that was one of the hardest parts that I cried about because your guys's relationship is just so special in that there isn't one that like doesn't get along with the rest or like that gets discluded or whatever you're just so close and that like sisterly bond is unlike anything else so that's so sweet you have to do the first look with your brothers i think that'll be so fun um and you should have them speak at some capacity yes. maybe rehearsal dinner or the wedding because i feel like they surprise you in the best way my sister's speech was like the highlight I absolutely loved. They all talked and just were, it was the absolute best. Um, so I love speeches because again, it's a, your wedding is to celebrate you guys as a couple. So as many people as you have speak on that, I think the better. It doesn't need to all be on your wedding night. I feel like you can have friends and all of that extended family talk, maybe on a rehearsal or at a party or whatever. But I think it's fun to give people the opportunity, obviously not forcing them like, hey, say good things about us. But if people want to, I think it's so fun for you guys, obviously, but for everybody else kind of just to hear um, what people love about y'all. <laughs> literally, I it's always been my dream to literally, uh, we won't do this, but to have an open mic that anyone can say anything because the whole wedding night, but I'll, I will definitely put it like rehearsal dinner, bridal shower, like all those things that it can happen to. But words, I'm such a words of affirmation receiver that like, that's my, it's like a love letter to me. A handwritten love letter in front of everyone is like, oh my God, I love this. I just get so emotional about stuff like that. Even uh, during your rehearsal dinner, watching somebody else do it for someone else, that just like the profession of what a perfect confession, whatever of love in front of everyone is like the sweetest form of love. I just think because everyone's nervous when they talk out loud. So like, oh, my brother Matt's speech. He was my brother Ross's best man. It was the best speech I've ever heard in my life. And he, they both cried. And one of my brother's um, very best friends, his name is Charles. He toughest, but most emotional guy you'll ever meet. And there's a picture. It's like the best picture from the wedding where his name is Charles. It's right after my brother Matt's speech and they're hugging and everyone's clapping and Charles like has a uh, handkerchief and he's like crying and wiping his tears. There's like tears falling down his face and it is the cutest thing ever because he, I think Matt ends the speech with like, and my new beautiful little sister, little sister Shelby or something. And he like can barely get it out and he's like wiping under his glasses and I'm like, I had to go after him and I was like, cool, my whole speech is shit now. It's the freaking worst. You almost want to go first because you're like, well, if you go second after someone that really flops, you're like, okay, great. We're going to bring this party right back. But sometimes people knock it out of the park and you're like, god damn. Let's, let's take a break here. you feel bad too if yours, like if the person before you didn't really get a good crowd reaction and then like you're getting a good crowd reaction, you're kind of like, oh, couldn't you have given some to the person before me? Like, this is just kind of awkward now. <laughs> It's funny because the couple's always going to like it, but sometimes I feel like we've all been to weddings where sometimes the speeches don't just don't land and you're kind of mm-hmm. like looking to your left and right like, is this guy serious? But um, it's obviously not for you, so. Well, and, and I think 
that thought usually comes from a speech that's a little bit more about the person who's speaking and not actually the couple. And so everyone's kind of like, for the couple, maybe it is funny. And, you know, you know that person so well that you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this story. But as especially when you're part of the bridal party and you're listening to it and you're like, uh oh, no, oh, let's move on. And it just those are the ones that keep dragging on and on. And you're like, oh, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. You're like, so oh it's time gosh. to get the cake. I know yeah. it's it's so freaking true, though. Too too personal can sometimes be like, everyone's like, is are they? Oh, we're sharing this story, okay? And everyone's like, huh, giving their pity laughs and stuff. Yes. Oh. oh my gosh, okay, it's, it's tough. One other thing we need to talk about before we get into anything else: the Denver Nuggets. We haven't been on here since we both went to Game One, and you went to Game Two. Oh my God! You're Tell right. me your thoughts. I know. Doesn't it seem like we went like two weeks ago to Game yes, One? Yes. Yeah. It does. Oh my gosh! So tell me your thoughts on the first two games. How you're feeling? How being there was from like a work standpoint? Tell me all the things. Um, Game One was amazing. The atmosphere there is just nothing like that. Specifically. And Denver, because it's never happened before, I feel like everybody is just level 10. So it's so mm-hmm. exciting. And from a work standpoint, it's, aside from the Stanley Cup final, the biggest thing that I have had the opportunity to cover, the biggest work opportunity that I've had. So sometimes I have to like pinch myself because I feel like you just are going, going, going. You don't really think about it, but I don't think it'll really sink in until the series is over. But it's been really exciting. I'm glad that they won game one. I didn't feel that they played their best basketball. I feel Mm-mm. like we are, I feel like the Nuggets are a much better team than the Heat, but we can't let them linger because their three point shooting is a problem and they will stick with us just like we saw in game two. It's just, I don't know. I feel like the, the Nuggets as a team and the fan base a little bit needed maybe a wake up call and a reset mm-hmm. to be like, mm-hmm okay, this is going to be a tough series. This is Mm -hmm. not going to, we're not just going to sweep. This is not just going to come to us easy, even though we are extremely talented and have dominated all year long. So I feel like game two was as disappointing and like sad and weird as it felt. Mm -hmm. I think it was a wake up call, but Mm. it was so fun to see you guys at the game. I, um, was going live in one of the corners and I saw you guys walk in because you guys were so early. I knew I'd be able to catch you guys because there was literally nobody in the arena yet. And I'm like, there they are. And your brother, your brother, Matt is also like eight feet tall. It's like, that's definitely them. Gosh, it was so fun. I, the people behind us, Brady snuck in during, I think the third quarter, maybe yeah. the beginning of the fourth quarter. And um, the people behind us had just gone and gotten food and they were so nice. You know how people can just kind of be like weird and rude and mm-hmm. situations like that. And, it was such a different atmosphere knowing that everyone paid so much money to be there. Like, nobody was drunk around us. No one was messing around. I Maybe that comes with, like, being on club level as well because yeah. that's, like, more of a, like, professional kind of area to sit. But it was just such a different kind of setting. And I would stand up every time they would shoot the ball. And I was like, oh, the people behind me are probably so annoyed. And then I realized they were standing up every time too. And everyone was just on their feet so excited like even the um the little like hype videos that they had before like the fourth quarter is like right that fourth quarter one fires me up (laughs) oh my gosh it just it felt totally different to not listening to the commentating on espn like it felt like a such a positive way to view the game and like that the pace was totally different obviously the pace of the first game was different than the second game but yeah I just I think we beat ourselves defensively in the second game made too many to say mistakes I love KCP think he's such a phenomenal player but like two very fatal like three-point fouls that like just really killed the momentum we lost by three points not it's not his fault at all but Bruce and Jamal both like flying out on threes and not closing out like just mistakes that we weren't totally mentally there and I think you're a hundred percent right hit the nail on the head it's like I think maybe we got lost thinking oh we're the Denver Nuggets we're just gonna sweep them and you know and the chatter was kind of that too and I think that's not even our game is to have that towards us so yeah we'll see I I'm still a firm believer that we're gonna win it all and that yoke deserves it so much and but I also it's been you know I just hate that I love Jimmy Butler like I I love the man and 
every interview and stuff, he's so chill and he's so like when they asked him what he was doing to get ready for game two and he's like playing card games with my daughter, like life's a lot bigger than basketball and like, you know, it helps me reset to just be real and stuff. So anyways, it was the I would respend the same money. Even sis came and picked me up from pickleball the other day and she was like I regret so bad not going to the game. I would have spent whatever. It looks so fun. And I will tell you, I would not regret paying any amount of money to go back to another game. That goes, I would pay probably $30,000 to sit courtside next to Peyton Manning for sure. That's how much it is. I was, we did a little ticket uh, story after the game talking about how much people paid in the nosebleeds for game two, which was still about $620 and then courtside 30,000, which also makes me wonder, Lil Wayne was at game two sitting courtside. Does he pay $30,000 for that? Do they give him the seat? Do they? I always wonder. Also with Peyton Manning, of course, these people can afford to pay that. But sometimes I'm like, does the organization, are they like, hey, no, we want to have these people sitting courtside? Do they help them out? I I was thinking the exact same thing because as like an influencer who gets like gifted stuff or like opportunities or whatever, I would think that there are opportunities to sit courtside. And I would think that if you do take that opportunity that you're actually getting paid to go and do that to like post about it. So I think either it's like there, I just do not see Lil Wayne having to pay for that ticket. And I don't see Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson or any of them, which is funny. Cause I'm like, are we, are we eating up that cost? The people who pay for the actual tickets? Cause there's gotta be something to that there. I just can't see, even though Peyton Manning is so rich, like I can't see him being like, yeah, I'll pay 30,000 for me, 30,000 for my son for multiple games. Like, I just don't know right. how you would justify that. Right. There has to be some sort of partnership, I imagine, because everybody mm. loves to see those people when they put them up on the big screen, like everybody goes nuts. True. So I feel like it's good for both parties. So I could see there being a partnership, but I genuinely want to ask because I don't know. Yeah, same with Russell Wilson and his kid. Could all these people afford to pay that to go to a game? Yes, but I also don't know that they do. Some people are. Clearly, these just random average Joes on the sideline clearly are doing pretty well because they are paying $30,000 a seat, which is nuts. Did you see the girl in the first game with the dress that was made out of the Miami, the Miami Heat jerseys? No. It was like the most, it looked like a gown and it was like bright red. So when she walked around the court, I said to Matt, I'm like, oh my gosh, who's that? And he said, I think that's like the Heat team reporter. And we found out quickly that it wasn't because she went and sat in her seat. But it was like a dress that it like dragged on the floor, like behind her and stuff. And it was all stitched together like Heat jerseys. And she was with her friend and they were wearing like super high fashion while her friend was wearing like a super high fashion outfit they were both wearing like sunglasses indoors and stuff and it's so interesting to me because I'm like is this is it like a PR move because they did catch my attention but I didn't figure out who it was like I didn't I didn't go and look I didn't start following them on social media or something so it is I always think about the people that are sitting courtside and I think like a what do you do for a living b is this just like a casual outing for you or c is this like a work thing I don't I just those things interest me so much it is interesting because especially in Denver it's not like a star-studded place by any means the Peyton Manning is the biggest deal I feel like in town you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's the Mm -hmm. athletes there's not really a ton of stardom. So it does catch you off guard. You're like, who is that? Whereas if you were in LA, you'd be like, well, it's probably Kim Kardashian. <laughs> like it would not be surprising for it to be the whole Kardashian family. Um, Paul Rudd. I don't know. All these guys are just there almost every game, which is so, that would be in- insane to see every game. Which begs the argument that of course, ESPN and every news outlet and whatever, they want LA to be a part of all of these things because we're never going to have those things. We're in the finals and there's like Lil Wayne being there was like breaking news on every single, like was. everyone was talking about it. Whereas... Even Mr. Chow. Yes. <laughs> they showed, do you remember when they showed him and he like, he's sitting there for a second and then he goes like this and and then he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, you know kids are here? It was funny. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to invite you back. This is Mr. Chow from The Hangover, the guy that jumps out of the back of the uh, trunk naked for anyone that doesn't know who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, he was at game one, and that was like the biggest news 
Also, I also heard from my friend Scotty that I'm not even sure he's a Nuggets fan. I think he <gasps> loves basketball, likes the Nuggets, wanted to come to the game kind of deal. I okay. He could be rooting for the Nuggets, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's like a diehard, which is what it appeared to be because he was the biggest star at game one, which was hilarious. But he's funny. I think also I'm going to keep my prediction, and I think we had the same prediction of Nuggets and Five, which mm-hmm. mostly everyone has said from the start, too. So this one loss, we'll just take it on the chin, and we'll just move forward, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but one last basketball question. Do you – who's your favorite, your most fashionable pregame outfit from all all teammates? I love Bruce. I like the cowboy hat look. I think it's so fun. We'll say after the game, I got stuck in the tunnel and KCP and his family were taking family photos after the game. He has the three most beautiful children and his wife, oh. I think it's his wife, is stunning. And this, like this photo, I was like, these are, this is a beautiful family. And I feel like they all, him included, have great style. So that's oh. what I'll say. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Who's yours? Well, first of all, KCP, I was talking to Matt about this the other day. His style is so uniquely to him, and I love that. I feel like he doesn't try to go super trendy. Um, My top, I always have to stay with Aaron Gordon, no matter what. I do think he's the best dressed, like, by far. Mm -hmm. Um, But my two honorable mentions that are my top, my other top two favorite are DeAndre. DeAndre never misses. His outfits are so immaculate. I feel like they're his own style. He doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks. They're just like him. And then Uncle Jeff. I feel like his outfits are so subtly perfect. Like he always has like a good pair of black or blue denim with like a really nice fitting shirt. That's just a little bit oversized, but he'll like tuck it in and have like a really nice chain and like a really good pair of sunglasses and shoes. And I feel like that's so like uncle Jeff, he's uncle Jeff. He's like the, the dad of the group but also like so classy i just love him so much he's so hyped to win or lose he there is this um man that sits he's in a wheelchair that greets the nuggets after the games um when they come off the court and none of the guys really like dapped him up or anything after the loss on tuesday i mean you get it they're pissed they're going straight to the locker room totally. but not uncle jeff he was still he went up to him still gave him a handshake the whole nine yards so He's a good dude. You can just tell. And he, he knows him by name. The first After the first game, he was, like, all fired up to see this kid. Um, I don't know how old this guy is, but it's just so sweet. He, you can just tell he is has such good energy. But this is my last question. Last basketball yeah. topic. Sorry. Yes. Um, no. You miss a lot. I wonder if you realize this or notice this. Do you feel like you miss a lot of just the nitty-gritty being at the game? That's interesting. I felt like I was kind of in like a like a dream or something. Like it just felt so different being there because you weren't seeing the commercials. You weren't having like the time to look. I mean, some of the time they wouldn't even play the replay of if it was a foul, if it went out of bounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Maybe you do miss like even the looks that they give after they make like a good shot when they have that like zoom in of their like face where they're so hype or even their reactions for the like the bench reaction i didn't look at the bench once when they hit like an insane three when they had a dunk it feels so different being there because you're like so hype at when stuff like that happens but i think the negative feels like when they get a bad foul call i get so angry that it's like i think you're right you do miss the nitty-gritty of it so there is a part of you that's like, if you don't have a good seat, is it worth paying that amount of money? I don't know. Like the atmosphere is amazing. And you're right. Your heart is pounding. Or at least mine is like the whole game and you feel mm. in it. I'm also working. So right. that could add to it as well. Like I have two computers in front of me doing a couple different things while also watching the game. But I just feel like you're right. You don't get to see every replay. You don't get to hear the commentators kind of walking you through what just happened if you maybe didn't see it all. So I feel like sometimes it is... It's not a bad move to be able to watch the game on TV because you will not miss a thing. Don't get obviously the energy that the arena offers. This is the most my brother Matt thing on planet Earth. When we're driving back to drop him off at his car, he goes, uh, we're watching Scott Van Pelt or we're listening to him on Matt's phone. And he goes, oh, I'm definitely going to go watch the whole game at home. I'm like, 
the whole you're gonna rewatch the whole game and he's like yeah d of course i'm going to i'm like okay i'm i'm not gonna do that but i i'm so glad that you're dedicated enough to do that and he is somebody who deserves to be called the biggest, the greatest fan of all time. If that's if that's what he's doing, you know, it's so sweet. But he he's like, you know, when I was watching, he was telling me about it during the second game. When I was watching the game, when I went home, I I saw X, Y, and Z, and this is what that was. So it was stuff that we missed. That he was like, this is why that happened. Even like a See? foul call or something. Like when yep. they get the ball back, and we're like, they didn't announce it, so we don't we don't know. We're just booing because we didn't get the ball. <laughs> Some of the chants <laughs> kill me sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, but. But that's what oh makes gosh. it fun to be um, there yep. is you get to see a lot. But you're right. I don't I think a lot of people do that if they're diehards. I mean, I could see like oh, yeah. Chase doing that for a football game, mm-hmm. but that is dedication. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I think I'm going to go to bed. But you have fun with that. You let me know what we missed. Yes, I know it. There's nothing that beats being in the stadium though it just like even when we're leaving and it's we stayed just standing there watching the court for 25 minutes after the game like we did nothing was going on they weren't even interviewing anyone and we were just standing there and then we walk out probably 30 minutes after the game ended and the whole stadium is still chanting like echoing through the whole thing and that like camaraderie is something that I feel like is such a specific experience that you have in life that just gives you this like euphoric feeling that you never forget Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. I'm glad you went to game one. What an experience. Me too. And now we know that we get a game five in Denver, which I'm stoked about. Everybody yes. was saying, so we, a lot of people predicted the Nuggets in five, but they're like, mm-hmm. and everyone was obviously frustrated about the game two loss. But I saw one guy, he was like, guys, you know that we have to lose a game in order for this to go to five, right? I think no right. one, nobody expected it to happen at home because it hadn't happened no. yet in the playoffs. So I think that was the big shock. But now we just got to take care of business in Miami. You know, I know that makes your heart five. skip a beat. It really it just, does. Yeah, the loss at home was kind of hard just because I think everyone predicted like, oh, we'll lose one in Miami. And that's fine because we'll be away. But I think losing one yes. at home was like, uh-oh, now we have to win every game from here on out. It feels like it feels like we can't give up another one. That is, that is exactly what it feels like. Even though there are seven games that it could potentially go to. But I just feel like no one wants to think about that. Well, and I think it makes you think about their grittiness as like a Heat team and their will to come back from behind or to do what's not expected of them this entire playoff run. And you're like, "Uh oh, did we poke the bear? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh. Okay, you wanted to talk about your new Starbucks drink. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is, I saw this on TikTok, so I got it. Let me tell you, if you want coffee, this is not coffee, apparently. This is straight sugar milk. I Matt and I both got it because I, I yeah, I saw the video about it. What, what they didn't say is it, I'm sure this is 5,000 calories. It's a grande iced white mocha with blonde espresso and hazelnut syrup. It doesn't sound like a ton, like, there's not like a ton of add-ins or anything. This tastes like uh, someone in the comments, I went and read afterwards because I'm like, oh my gosh, this doesn't even taste like coffee. Apparently, it's like a Kinder Bueno egg or whatever those are. It's supposed to taste like that. So it's really hazelnutty and very milky if you're someone like me that loves a good uh, sugary milk. but So it's kind of like I'm a little back, treat. Yes. I'm kind of back into just like the coffee taste with like a little sweetness to it. But the, if you're looking for like a treat treat, go ahead with that because it is amazing. I've been getting before that um, just an iced vanilla latte. Matt caught me on that kick and it is one of the only things that I feel like at Starbucks is consistent. So if you're looking for like a good coffee order with a, with some cream and milk, then that's that's a better option. Consistency is key. I feel like just, yeah, the drinks are always tasting a little bit different depending on mm-hmm. what you get. But I feel mm-hmm. like if you find what you like, they genuinely get it right. Uh, Chase mm-hmm. brought me uh, Starbucks the other morning. When I, yeah. Sunday when I was getting ready for the game. Mm-hmm. And he brings in first, he was kidding, but it was a venti Captain Crunch or Cinnamon Crunch Frappuccino. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> like, I I was like, I have not had a Frappuccino since I was in 10th grade. What are we doing here? He was like, the guy said he made it and no one was, no was going to take it. So I took it. And I'm like, for who? Like, you're not going to drink that. Chase literally drinks black coffee. He's like a black cold brew guy. And I don't like, I would drink that. I love a shake. Don't get me wrong. But when I want my coffee, I still want it to taste. I want it to have a coffee-y taste. But I still like some additives. I'm not like a black coffee gal. 
No. Um, but I was just like, okay, so I brought it to work and I was going to give it to someone, but I was like, honestly, nobody over the age of 14 wants this. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I thought that you were going to say that he got that just to like prank you and to bring it to you. I was like, that that's a be- good one. <laughs> that would be so good. I literally looked at it. I was like, what is that? He's like, the guy said it was free. I'm like, okie dokie then. <laughs> um, you had a question for today, right? Oh, I wanted to say, I mean, this is not that big of a deal. No, but... share about your nails. Okay. I was sick of my long nails. So I, I took them off and I, my natural nails were so long underneath and I was like, oh, I just want to take them off and I just want to do shellac. Well, he ended up cutting my nails down to like, I mean, this is long, but not, yeah, they look good. not as long as they were. And he was like, you can't. And we can't go any longer than that. I'm like, okay, whatever. Anyways, I got shellac. They are chipping everywhere, everywhere. And I'm just like, what's the point? I just, I'd rather not have anything. I'd rather maybe have press-ons. I got to go back and get nails again. So I'm I'm officially not a just shellac fan ever again. I'm too hard on my nails for shellac. I either pick it up, pick it off because it is so satisfying to peel it off. Yes. Um... My mom, I, I kind of want to do that. Gets shellac, but it's yeah, and it's a lot easier to break. I, I've, I'm still on the dip grind, but I had everybody yes. vote on Instagram, blue or yellow. I felt like you, and then I went with the one that not everyone <laughs> voted well, for. Sometimes I chrome. I had to do chrome. I knew I was going to do chrome either that. way, which is ten dollars more, but I feel like it's so fun, and I love them. And I went back to my old place. I had tried a new place. It's kind of like coffee. Mm-hmm. You really have to find your person that does your nails because you do. I told you about the man that did them last time and walked like a snail he didn't have any of his supplies at his own station y'all he got up if anyone's watching i'm gonna demonstrate this because this is the funniest thing on planet earth okay so he doesn't have the polish he doesn't have anything you need to do nails not at his station okay so he got up 46 times and this is how he walked over to the other one <laughs> I wish I was exaggerating. It was almost two hours that I was in there and I had to say, buddy, I have to go to work in 15 yeah. minutes. And he then he started frantically working and cutting my fingers and going crazy. And I was like, this is, I always look for the camera. I swear to God, I'm yes. all punked sometimes. Yes. Oh my God. So did not go back to that guy. Went back to my usual place and hallelujah was like in and out in an hour and they did a great job, but they look so good. It was an experience. Okay. I have, I have the question. Sorry. (laughs) That walk takes some time. No. And he wasn't even that old. I'm not even trying to make fun of him, but this walk, I was like, is everyone else seeing this right now? Oh my God. Okay, this is this, our message of the day is from Kennedy. She listens to our podcast. She said, I was wondering what you got your degree in and what steps you get you took to get where you are. I'm currently getting my degree in elementary education, which is awesome, and thinking about completely changing my course to maybe do something in sports broadcasting, but I have no clue to where be, clue where to begin or if this would even be possible without transferring schools. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought this was weird because Alex studied elementary education and I studied sports broadcasting Mm -hmm. later on in grad school, but I feel like you're on an amazing track. Those are both Mm -hmm. fabulous careers that you could pursue. You can definitely, I feel like with sports broadcasting, what I've learned is literally everybody takes a different path. There's no cookie Mm -hmm. cutter way. It's not even like a teacher where you just know you have to get these credits. You have to do your... Um, teaching in a classroom and then you're a teacher or a nurse right. like there's a direct path in all of these careers sports broadcasting is not like that everybody's path mm. is very very unique but I will say internships are huge I don't think you need to go to a specialized school I did because I didn't get the experience that I needed in my undergrad to be able to do what I wanted to do so I did decide to go to grad school at Arizona State the Cronkite School, and I did their grad program, which was a year and a half, and mm-hmm. it was very intense for a year and a half. You learned what everybody else did in four years in a year and a half. Basically, it was just very expedited, and it was hard, I'm not going to lie, but it did teach mm-hmm. me all the tools and, 
I don't know why I'm out of breath doing that, guys. Well, you made me out of breath. No, I, I, when you're talking on the pod and you get out of breath, it doesn't stop because you, you continue to, like, try to make up for it. I felt like that, too. And it's like, you feel embarrassed almost. You're like, what's going on? Literally. I feel so out of breath right now. So apologies. Yes. But, um... So I did that, and that program was worth every penny for me. I'm still paying mm-hmm. off those student loans, but I didn't – luckily, I played a sport in academics, helped in my mm-hmm. undergrad, so I didn't have student loans from that, but I do from grad school. But I am working in that field, so it makes me feel like it's worth it. But I will say I got an internship, two different internships while I was in school, in mm-hmm. grad school, and – really just dedicated everything to getting those reps. And I even look back at some of that stuff and I'm like, oh, so cringe. You just get better year after year. And then if you wanted to switch now, though, I would say, I don't know what school you go to, but get involved Mm -hmm. with the athletic department. That -hmm. would be the first step I would tell anybody. They likely, especially if you're you're at a small school, will let you do whatever you want. I did play-by-play commentary for our basketball and volleyball games when I was in undergrad. They truly just let me do whatever. And they're like, yeah. And that was great practice. I still obviously went to grad school after that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you need extra schooling. I just think you do need some sort of experience in your undergrad. Mm -hmm. So I would switch. If you do want to switch, I would switch over to a communications track and Mm -hmm. get involved with the athletic department. That would be my first step for you, Kennedy. Um, But again, we can DM. I'll respond to her about kind of specific stuff. But Alex could speak more towards the elementary education route and kind of what you loved about that and maybe what you didn't love about it. Yeah, I I think that I thought that teaching would be a lot different than it was. I think that I didn't realize, obviously, that they have so many systems in place and markers you have to hit and stuff. And I think maybe I just was more wanting to have an emotional connection and like create a a relationship, like a mentorship with the kids almost and like being there for them and, you know, spending quality time with them. And I realized that once I was in the actual classroom, because I think that the classes that I took, my actual degree, I guess, is in human development and family studies. And my minor was in early childhood education. So I, I think it was different at CSU. We had a a fantastic, well, they call it a fantastic program. I will say that there were there are flaws in every program, and I think for mine, I had someone reach out to me from the podcast when I was talking about it and say, "I know who the teacher is that you're talking about that like told you about um, that the flashcard like okay, but what about his flashcards when that kid was literally being neglected." And she's like, I had the same experience and it almost turned me away from teaching. And I'm like, I'm so glad that it didn't because that's not what it was really like for me. Like, that's not what it's been. And I hope that you can find that in some sort of capacity again, Um, which that is some something that kind of plays on my mind sometimes is like, what if, what if. But I think that there is room for both. There's room for you to pursue both and there's room for you to try one and decide, you know what, it's not for me. Or I think you'll know, you'll have a point to where you know, okay, I don't think I want to pursue this any further. And I think we all know that a little bit before we give something up. So it's okay to kind of play with it. But I think even thinking about possibly changing is, maybe we go through that a little bit in college, but I don't think until I was sure that I wasn't going to move forward with it in my career, I was already at the end of my senior year. So I was like, I'm just going to write it out. Um, but if you're in a place to where you're, you have been seriously thinking about it, I think it's worth trying. And I think that, um, honestly, from what I know, you don't have to have a degree in teaching anymore to become a teacher. Like, I think that you can take certain specific courses and get certified through like testing and stuff. So I think maybe just do the research on what you will need in both areas in order to pursue both. Put in the work of which one you are going to value more. And before anything, I would try, if you haven't already, doing a practicum where in the classroom where you're actually involved in the behind the scenes planning, the executing, and the after hours work as well. And see if that's something that you're interested in doing. And make sure you're doing it in the grade that you really do want to teach. I will say the great part of the program I was in is we 
I went to kindergarten, preschool, first grade, second grade, and third grade, all in different semesters, because I was like, no, I want preschool, I want first grade, um, I'm sure, I'm sure, and so, like, when they put me in the third grade classroom, I'm like, come on, like, this is the farthest away from what I want, I learned more from my relationship with that little third grader that I, oh, I'm gonna cry, that I went and read with, um, about teaching and about how, what I would love about that and what it would mean to me than anything because the kids that I really wanted to teach were at a different age, but that specific relationship made me realize like, oh my gosh, every single teacher that I ever had had the choice to like pour into me and to make me a better person. And kids are just so special. And the one thing that I will say is we need good teachers so badly. And I know we've talked about it a million times that they are not honored and respected and um, given the tools that they need to and that they deserve. But if you are someone who is passionate about teaching about children and you have that little itch in you, I just encourage you to really, really weigh that decision and and make sure that it's something that you do not want to do before you give it up because though it probably is a very difficult career, I think there's really nothing more selfless that you could dedicate your life to other than, you know, being a nurse, being a um EMT, a doctor, or whatever, and you sound like a wonderful person. So it, I'm sure all of the people around the world would love you to be a teacher too. But I have that way on me sometimes too. And I think like, oh, well, you know, I could be a really good teacher, but I decided not to, you know, it's not, you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. But if it is something you're passionate about, I would say, maybe just try it out. You can always change. Yes. I think you can. And this is the time being in school to try Mm -hmm. different things, to switch it up, switch up your major if you really want to, or just get involved in different things. Shadow people. I swear you'll be surprised Mm -hmm. reaching out to people and just asking, Hey, could I come along with you to like a couple hours of your job? I had people shadow me all the time in Texas. And then we had interns and sometimes you figure out, Oh my God, this is not at all what I thought. This is not what I want to do. Or people fall in love with it. So I think this is the time to try it out. Shadow, try to get internships if you can. Just see as much as you can because I think in your head you can maybe build up one career or the other thinking it's going to be a specific way and it might not be exactly what you're thinking or whatever. So I think this is the time to explore and I feel like you honestly can't go wrong. You have uh, two great options. You're also never too late. I remember the fact I felt like I worked for a year for a company after my undergrad and then decided, okay, I really want to pursue this sports broadcasting, this TV thing. And I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that I wasn't deterred by like, oh, well, I already finished college. I'm already working, whatever. I'm so glad that I went for it because it's led to the career that I'm in now. And I think I would have forever wondered what if. So don't ever think you're too late, even Alex, she could go back mm-hmm. to teaching someday. You're never, I know you have those thoughts, but you totally could someday. It's not like you yeah. miss, you missed your moment. No. So I feel like some people have their peak in their careers in their forties or, you know what I mean? Or decide what they really want to do later on. So yeah. don't feel behind. I even feel that way sometimes. Like yeah. I feel older in my, where I'm at in my career, which is hilarious because I'm 28. <laughs> and right. so some people would laugh at that, but I do. Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, well, I just am a little bit behind where I want to be or where I thought I'd be. So it's a normal feeling, but ultimately I tell myself, you're not behind, you're on the right track, you're, right. Not, you're not late, but it's. I think it's natural to have those feelings a little bit. And I think that I genuinely feel that in my career. My career doesn't even have boundaries of where, what age you should be to do anything. But I will look at girls younger than me that have like 2 million followers and I'm like, oh, well, I miss my peak with working with this brand or this opportunity or whatever, where I'm like, I'm not even married. I don't have kids. Like there's so many, I, one of my favorite quotes is like, it is, you are never too late. You are never too old. You are never, you know, there's so many people that start things in their fifties in their sixties. And I just, I do think that maybe after having kids, I'll teach afterwards or something like I've always thought about something like that. But I'll, I will say about Brady's career, even though I'm saying like teaching is such a self lit, like it's such an important going and watching the behind the scenes of Brady's job. I think that people think that it is a very easy job and it is not. I, 
the amount of hours, the amount of things that she does on a day-to-day basis is mind-blowing. You could put me in there with every resource manual and all the things, and I could never figure it out. So I think that sometimes um, we look at careers and we think, oh, well, my life would be so good if I went and did this or if, you know, it would be so fun because I could get into free games. Like, Like Brady was working the whole time that she was there at the game. It was different than my experience as a fan who just got to sit there. And I think that sometimes we, I don't know, talk ourselves down on like what someone puts in their, into their career and even the school that she's talking about, I've never seen her work harder in my life than like, and be like, I, you know, I, I, this is hard. This is hard. And Brady will not say many things are hard in life. So I will also be an advocate that it just, every career is difficult in its own way and I think that the both of our careers people can look at it and be like oh that'd be so nice if I got to sit and do a podcast at noon on a Tuesday (laughs) well we're both gonna be working till 2 a.m I guarantee you so it's it's definitely different than you think and you definitely want to shadow someone because when when we went on the back side of it and she was having people shadow her I thought like oh my gosh I wonder if they're thinking the same thing as me of like this is not this is not what I thought it was there's so much going on right now I can't even I'm overstimulated <laughs> I loved having you guys in the studio I need to have you guys come into the one here in yes Springs. that would be so fun uh be so it fun. is fun to just show people behind the scenes because it's like any job you truly never know nobody will ever know what you do throughout mm-hmm. your day you know what I mean like a video just pops up on TikTok and they think that just happens. It doesn't like I swear. And there's just, there's so much that goes into every person's job and we never know. I think about even when Chase goes to work, I'm like, what are you, how do you fill your time? What are you doing there? Like, come on now. But everybody clearly just as I do has stuff to do. And just like us, they think we just pop up on TV and like, that's that, which sometimes it is, but typically there's a lot more behind the scenes work that people don't see. So I think that's every single job in the world, right? which is kind of fun. So fun. You're right. I think the same thing about Matt's career. I'm like, what What are you doing all day in there? Like, I know you make money, but like, what are you doing? Are you watching YouTube videos the whole day? Right. Are you on my Pinterest again? Okay. Well, this has been episode 19 and we're going to be back next week. We're going to do a Q&A episode next week. So look out for that on Instagram. Until then, we love y'all. Love you.